This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hey there, everybody. My name is Chris. My name is Jason. My name is Dave. And this is The Talking Dead number 97 for Monday, November the 26th, 2012. Jason and I are super excited to welcome friend of the show, Dave, back on once again. Dave-o! I'm super excited to be here, J-o! And it is... And Chris-o! Chris-o! It is a special occasion, because for the first time in forever, Dave is actually joining us in the Talking Dead studios, in person, live, and in, in the flesh. I think this is the first time on this show. For this podcast. For this, this podcast, podcast yes. Yeah. We've, That's super exciting. We've done it on previous podcasts, which yep. are now long faded For, into the distance. Forgotten. <laughs> the three people that may or may not have downloaded and listened to those that are practice podcast. podcasts. Yes, they practice w- podcasts for this fantastically successful Talking Dead podcast. Hooray! That was the idea. We were getting warmed up. Yep. We were we were just you know finding our our podcasting legs, and once we did, we decided to latch on to a, the most successful TV show and go from there and shamble along <laughs> and shamble along. All right. Well, um, there's there's nothing really happening today in, uh, in in terms of international days that I would like to uh, really wish everyone a, a, a you know well for. But there are two notable birthdays, and I mean very notable birthdays today. Okay. The first one being Ernie Coombs, Ooh. who um, Canadian children will know as Mister Dress Up. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. I don't know if he had a lot of traction in the U.S., so I don't know if most of our listeners will have any idea who Mister Dress Up is. But he's kind of like the Canadian uh, Mister Rogers. He is. Did you listen to listen? Did you watch? Uh... David, did you watch uh, Mr. Dress Up as a kid? I don't know. I'm kind of likening, likening him more to Captain Kangaroo than Mr. Rogers, but... I don't really know who Captain Kangaroo is. No. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a Captain Kangaroo kid either. I watched them all, you know, Commander Tom. I watched a lot of... Uh, of Do you guys know uh, Commander Rocket Tom? Robin I don't know. Hood. No. <laughs> Rocket Robin Hood. Yeah, yeah. Good I times. loved Rocket Robin Hood, man. Oh, yeah. As a, as a kid. <laughs> oh, yeah. I really loved how, like, when they had the Rocket Robin Hood and the Spider-Man at the same time, and they both used, like, they used the same clips over and over again in the, in the oh scene. yeah 70s animation yeah well it was the easiest way to uh fill up the 23 minutes or whatever it was <laughs> use yeah, that man. clip again of them running yeah <laughs> yeah so ernie coombs his birthday is today the google doodle on uh, um uh, google.ca was commemorating mm-hmm. that um and the other birthday is charles m schultz the creator oh, of peanuts schultz. and uh you know the charlie brown gang so um it's it's a big day for, for birthdays, and it I is. just wanted to recognize those two, give a happy birthday to them, and uh, I guess anyone else who's celebrating their birthday today, why not have a happy birthday and, uh, you know, celebrate in happy whatever way you see fit. birthday. Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown. Uh, so, Charlie, um, Schultz. <laughs> Char- Charles M. Schultz was a, was a comic drawer. Dave, you're a comic drawer, too. I draw comics. You do. Do you want to tell us what's going on with your comics before we dive into things here, or do you want to just skip over that? Uh, I will whore myself out. Whore. At whore any, away. Any possible opportunity, stranger.reener.com. Um, yeah, I'm just working on issue number five right now and chugging along. 
chugging along. That's yeah. good. Five issues. That's pretty amazing. Hey. You've, you've printed the previous four. Printed the previous four. That's right. They and are up uh, for sale somewhere. They are if you go to stranger.storyenvy.com. Stranger. That is some heavy typing you're doing there. <laughs> he is typing pretty <laughs> I'm, I'm just smacking along <laughs> on the keyboard here. Um, but yeah, I mean, this uh, the latest issue is exciting for me because it's more of a, a film noir type story. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's a little more experimental for me. I'm not doing any gray tones. It's strictly black and white. Cool. Which is exciting. And, uh, you know, whenever you do new work, you got to try and challenge yourself. So that's what I'm trying to do. Just get better. That's cool. Better at, it, at what I'm doing. That's cool. So stranger.reiner.com. People yep. can see that. They can they can find you on Facebook where you post all the the ex- auxiliary and, material, yep. sketches and so on. Yep. That's pretty cool. Twitter, Tumblr, DeviantArt, everything. Cool. Twitter. Well, that's that's amazing. Do you want to talk about Deep Sea or anything like that? Oh yeah, Deep Sea. Deep Sea. I did. Uh, I didn't come up with the story for Deep Sea. It was uh, created by uh, this guy Ricky Lima, who. Saw one of my sketches one day and said, you know, this gives me an idea. What do you think of this? And I said, that's cool. And he said, well, let's do a little mini comic. So we did a little mini comic and we launched it on October 27th, mm-hmm. printed out 100 copies and sold 100 copies wow. like that in a few short hours, which was really exciting. And uh, So they're gone. I didn't realize all yeah, 100 were. All 100 copies are gone. Ricky is now working on a full graphic novel for Deep Sea. Cool. So... So he's writing it right now. Basically. He's writing it right now. Yeah, but uh, fantastic guy, really creative. It's uh, really fun working with him. It's 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 really interesting to sort of work on something that's not completely one hundred percent mine. Yeah, you 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 draw it and but you collaborate. Don't write it. There you go. That's we exciting. Collaborate. So there's no way to get a deep sea at this point. <clears throat> nope. Wow. That's it. There's no more. There never going to be any more. Never going to be any more. Wow. Wow. That's, uh, I feel privileged to own one. Or, you know, unless somebody wants to pay us a lot of money for that, I'm okay. <laughs> I will whore myself up for any cause. As you said earlier, yes. <laughs> Daddy got bills to pay. All right. Well, that is super cool. Um, everyone should go check out Stranger. It's Please a really, do. really neat, really awesome comic. I just sent out a couple issues to a listener who won a prize, so I included oh, some in there. Oh, nice. So cool. All four or just a couple? Uh, just the first two. Okay. I didn't. I don't have three and four right now. Well, maybe I should give you a couple. Yeah. Seeing as you're here, you maybe should have brought some. I should, you know, if, <laughs> if I was a smarter man, you think with a head this size, there'd be more brains in it. But, <laughs> but hey, it's just mo- it's mostly fluid. Yeah, <laughs> the size of the head does not necessarily indicate the wealth of intelligence. Yeah, good thing uh, I'm so pretty. All right, well, that is extremely cool. Let's move on and get this Let's. show started. We're going to start with the Walking Dead news. The Walking Dead news. Alrighty, first item in the news this week, of course, is the ratings from last week. Oh yeah, this is. I always forget about this. You're reading the readings, ratings from uh, the week before. I, I do. always forget. How do you forget? I, I forget that we do that. You're here all the time. Yeah, I know. How many episodes is this now? It's been a while. <laughs> I'm not a smart man either, and I'm not that pretty. <laughs> we got we got three big heads here and a serious lack of brain. Yeah. yeah. Well, we do read the ratings. We yeah, re- we report every on them. Week. I don't know. Uh, yeah, all the time, all the time. 
Here's what we have this week. For episode six, there were 9.214 million viewers. That's a 5.4 rating, even though my note says 9.4. That's not right. That's not right. No, it was a 5.4, and uh, or maybe not even a 5.4. No matter what, it's down from last week, yeah, which it was over, over 10 million, and we had 5.6 in the ratings last week. So, But that's to be expected. It happens, and, and I think last week's episode did benefit from the one before it being such a shocker. Right. You know? Um, so we're down a little bit, and I have a pretty good feeling next week is going to be uh, a rather large ratings grab for Super this show. Super duper. Super duper. When you add up all three airings of 9, 10, and 12 a.m., you get 13.5 million viewers, That's roughly. still a lot of people. Oh, it's an awful lot of people. But it is it is down. But this was the uh, penultimate episode before the break. So. I like that word. Uh, anti-penultimate is a good word too. Also good. <laughs> so I'm not surprised this episode's a little down. But What's anti-penultimate uh, is that the one before penultimate? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Third from the last. Third from the last. Anti-penultimate. Yes. Um, that, that's what I'm going to name my toes. I'm going to start talking to my toes. Penultimate. Ultimate. Anti-penultimate. What's the fourth from the? I don't think there's a word for fourth. Fourth from the big toe. No, there isn't one. <laughs> You're gonna have to coin a term for your toes. That's your ring toe. The, the piggy that went to market. Yeah, <laughs> that one or ring toe. I like ring, ring toe. Ring toe. Because I could see you wearing a toe on your. It's got to be Latin toe. though. I got to name name something <laughs> Latin. Well, I I don't know. Sorry, did I digress? Did I go somewhere else? <laughs> that never happens. <laughs> uh, alrighty. So our second item from the news today and this comes from a, a, a listener who wrote in and he said when i was watching uh the walking dead today i found out that i might lose amc i got so pissed i went on keepamc.com and emailed verizon a total of 20 times wow. i am a dedicated walking dead fan and will be heartbroken if they drop this channel p.s every episode of your podcast i listen to i take one or two shots of pickle juice nice that's uh besides the point really but i would just like to say i take no responsibility for what have any pickle juice? may happen to you if you continue doing that yes i do so maybe you can try some later yeah try it i like <laughs> so it excited i like it bring the whole jar we'll drink it all day. Well, i don't know about that um yeah it's uh so what's going on here apparently verizon is a is is thinking about dropping AMC now. We already went through this with the Dish Network. Yeah. Now Verizon, which I honestly didn't even know was a cable provider. No, in the I States. thought they were phone cell phones. I thought they were cell phones too. But now apparently they are dropping AMC or at least thinking about it. And if you go to keepamc.com, it's all about Verizon customers now. Do what you can to help not get AMC off your network. People don't like AMC. I mean, as far as cable companies go. It does seem a little strange that they're all there's always somebody out there being like, "Yeah, we don't need them." I personally would love to get AMC in HD. Oh, that up would be here nice in Canada on Rogers. Yeah, it's available on on uh, Bell, I believe, in HD. It's the only show I have to watch in SD, and it makes me cry every time. I don't, I don't have cable. I can't watch it on. Uh, I don't watch the show on Sunday nights. I watch it on Mondays. Mm-hmm. I, I watch it in standard def and then high def from iTunes. So. Yeah, yeah, I buy it from iTunes. So the next morning I get it and I watch it. In I'll HD. wait for the Blu-rays, buy the Blu-rays, and then you'll be watching once again. And you can call in with your holy crap! Did you see that? It's like eight months later. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you remember this. <laughs> no, tonight we have one from season one. So oh, cool. really? Yeah, it totally it totally works. So anyways, apparently Verizon is dropping AMC, or at least thinking about it. So if you are a Verizon customer, and this upsets you, which I imagine it might, uh, head over to keepamc.com and find out what you can do to let Verizon know that this is a bad, bad idea. 
Um, it seemed to work for Dish, or at least something worked, because AMC came back to Dish for the second episode of this season. It did. All righty. Now it's time to recap. When the dead come knocking. So we open. It's cold open. Glenn is being interrogated by Merle. Mm-hmm. He's, he's in a, a, a dark, scary room. Merle's kind of being all high and mighty. Calling. I disagree. You don't think the room was I think that room was actually really well lit and kind of cozy. It was pretty well lit. I thought that was a really cozy basement of some kind. It wasn't dark and it was not scary. It was kind of cozy. It, it was, was about as lit as this one is. Yeah. It, it was It was not well lit. It was dark. It was just ambient, like, nice, warm light. I thought, yeah, I thought it was a nice, cozy room. Okay, it was a cozy interrogation Cozy room. dungeon. Yes. A cozy dungeon. He was in a room being interrogated. And it looked pretty comfy. All right. Well, no, it wasn't that comfy. He was, well, it wasn't that comfy. He but. was duct taped to a wooden chair. That's not duct you know, tape. Having a a lot of horrible things done to him. I don't think he was comfortable. Yeah, I didn't like the. Sorry, you didn't like something. The. All right. Well, so we'll get to that. Here's here's what happens. So Glenn or uh, Merle calls. <clears throat> Glenn, uh, an asshole, which is just not very nice. Nope. Uh, just like he was, and they all were back on the roof in season one. Understandable. Yep. Glenn mentions T-Dog and then uh, reveals, reveals to Merle that he didn't make it. And Merle's sort of okay with this. Right. He's, he doesn't feel too bad. Um, so then Merle puts a knife over Glenn's mouth. See, this is... Oh, and I hated this part. It really, to me, felt like he was going to like just cut Glenn's nose right off. Yep. Go right up off. No, of his that that wouldn't have happened. That was a bayonet. Bayonets are not sharp. So what was he doing then? He yeah, was it, just applying pressure to the uh, to his mouth or his teeth from the flat of the uh, of the bayonet. That's that's fine. But if somebody holds a knife up to my mouth, I think they're going to cut my nose off. Not with a bayonet. I don't care if it's a oh, bayonet. It's, yeah, okay. I don't care if it's a butter knife. Psychologically, yes. Actually, no. Yeah, and and getting your nose cut off would be rather uncomfortable. Oh. Yeah, it'd be bad. Bayonets are not supposed to be sharp. They're supposed to rip. They're for stab- stabbing, yeah. right? They're yeah. For, yeah, and they're supposed to do as much damage as you can, so you rip into somebody and pull it out. You don't so, cleanly slice. All right. Well, Sorry. I still <laughs> thought he was going to lose his nose. I'm like, oh, this is not going to be cool. But um, nose instead of a hand, maybe, you know? I was... <laughs> it would have been gross. I was really uncomfortable. Um, but, you know, Merle sort of comes back around front, and then Glenn gets a headbutt in. Which is, yeah, which I thought was that was nice. great. Uh, yeah, way to go, Glenn. And Merle doesn't like this, and he headbutts him back and then gives him a pretty solid beating after that. Yep, yep. Starts punching him in the face. <clears throat> and we see that Maggie is in the next room listening to all this happen, and she doesn't mm-hmm. really seem too happy about it. She's in a cold, dark room. Well, yeah. that room was empty. It like, was empty, and there was very bad lighting, and uh, that was a much more, uh, much less comfortable room than the one Glenn was in. Right. There was nothing in it. That was why, except her at a table. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's when the credits roll. When we come back, we pick up right where we left off in the last episode with Michonne standing outside the prison. <clears throat> the zombies start to realize that she's alive and yeah. begin to attack her. Now, she kills a few, but I guess she's lost a lot of blood from her leg wound, and she starts to pass out. Her uh, her gore potion was wearing off. <laughs> her gore potion, yeah. I guess it was drying. Yeah. Not smelling quite as bad. Uh, so, But they're attacking. She passes out, and Rick and Carl fight off the rest of the zombies to rescue her and bring her in. Carl was making some good shots there. Through the fence, yeah. Through the fence. Carl's coming along as a character very well. <clears throat> he is. I like Carl. I like Carl a lot. That's... And there's a... Yeah. That's a turnaround from what you used to think, um, isn't it? Well, a lot of people didn't really like Carl, through, Did you like Carl? throughout season two. I didn't think they were doing much with him for a long yeah. time there. 
it, it, it's funny. I found him fine in season one. Mm-hmm. In season two, he was a little bit wasted, I thought. And in season three, they've really brought it back to Carl and made him into something awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, think well, I so. wouldn't go as far as awesome, but... Well, he's getting there. There's a scene later in this episode, which I think cements it even more, but we'll, we'll no. get to that. <laughs> All right, fine. Uh, so they bring her in. They put her on the floor and try to find out her name. But while they're kind of talking to Michonne, uh, Daryl comes in and tells Rick there's something he should see yep. over here. Uh, so they lock Michonne in the room and they go into the prison cell. And it's Carol. Yay! Daryl's brought Carol back. And to we, life. Yeah, exactly. We get a very emotional scene. That scene kind of killed me a little bit. It, it was pretty well done because Carol finds out that the baby was born and that Lori didn't make it. And uh, she's upset and very sorry about all of what this. Is, what these actors are doing this season is they're... I mean, they're sort of playing against what they, I think, what they did in the previous seasons. Previous seasons, I feel like they sort of had to tell everybody what was happening and narrate what they were doing. But in this season, they seem to be sort of emoting a lot better and, and sort of expressing more without saying things. Yeah, they didn't say anything in this scene, or not to, since the beginning. In the reference beginning of the to you know, yeah, what well, they were talking about, it's just that realization, like, oh, man. Yeah, because Carol doesn't know any of this, and then uh, Beth shows up holding the baby, and she's like, oh, the baby, great. But then she realizes Lori isn't there, and mm-hmm. yeah. it was uh, it was very, very Fantastic well Fantastic scene. Yeah. yeah. And, and you're right, you know, I mean, uh, even the, the Lori death scene from a couple episodes ago, you know, I mean, she was talking, but it was super emotional, and, and all these actors have done a better job. Uh, and the writing, of course, and stuff like that, too. Um, Michonne, now while this is going on, Michonne is watching from behind the barred door that she's, she's locked behind. So she sees what's going on here and, um, seems to be, I don't know, see, learning something about the main characters just by watching them, I think. See, what I think was interesting with this scene though, was that she, like you take it from her perspective, she's sort of out of the frying pan into the fire, Mm -hmm. you know, because at least in Woodbury, she was walking around here, she's locked up. Yep. It is interesting. So she doesn't know, like she may have made a grave mistake as far as she's concerned. Although I, I think she can already tell that at, at the very least, these people are just being careful and they're more genuine than the governor and everyone in Woodbury was. Mm-hmm. You know, they may have locked her up, but that's because they're being careful. And then she witnesses this like heartwarming scene of them recovering one of their own, mm-hmm. um, even though it's sad and emotional. I think she sees that and is like, okay, these people might not be too bad. You know, they're not here trying to um, dominate everyone. They're just trying to survive and just being yep. careful. Mm-hmm. That, that was the feeling I took from away from it. I agree. I concur also. All right. So we go back to Woodbury, and Milton comes to see the governor and tells him that Mr. Coleman is ready. Cool. And the governor tells Andrea he needs her help with something. We don't know what yet. Right. But first, put your pants up, pull your pants back on. Oh, that's right. We get a body double scene, another one here with uh, Andrea getting dressed. I assume <laughs> it's a body, body double. body double? No, because it was all one shot, wasn't it? No, it was some guy with a mustache. <laughs> <laughs> she pulled on her pants and then turned around and uh, well, was talking. It was all one on. shot. That wasn't a body double. Are you sure? I, I'm not 100% sure now that you mention it, but... Right. Uh, no, I, I don't sure. know. I, no, I, th- I think it cut. I think we see her pulling up her pants and... And uh, it's from a distance, and then it cuts to them closer talking. I don't see why it couldn't, why it should be a body double. I mean, Larry Holden is not know. an unattractive woman. No, I, 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 I see no reason to do it unless she doesn't feel comfortable doing the that sort of thing. The only thing I didn't like was, like, who would wear lingerie like that in the zombie apocalypse? <laughs> no, that's very impractical underwear. Yeah. You know what? You wear what's available in the zombie it's apocalypse. It's a little delicate. And maybe that's, that's all that was available. Like, 
I don't know. Maybe she traded it for something at the Woodbury lingerie. I might shop. not even wear underwear in the zombie apocalypse. I, I'd I'd do something. I'd wear. I'd make a shirt into underwear. <laughs> I'd, I'd do something. <laughs> <laughs> might end up being more like a big shirt diaper. But what are you gonna do? <laughs> you just, what are you gonna do? <laughs> you just take a really long t-shirt and tie it in the bottom. You just tie it up. Make yourself something. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, why not? I suppose. Like I said, you wear what you have. You got to do what you got to do. The onesie of the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> yeah, and then Jason would wear it as a shirt later. No, I don't know if I go that far. <laughs> so we cut back, and Rick is questioning Michonne again about how she found them and why she had the baby formula. She explains that Glenn and Maggie were taken, um, and Michonne tells them about Woodbury. She says it's safe from walkers but they could slip in undetected. Yeah, they're not looking for people. No, they're they're safe from walkers. I mean, they're watching for walkers. If we snuck up, maybe we could climb a wall or something like that. Yep. Uh, we go back to Merle interrogating Glenn. Glenn is really beat up now. Felt bad oh, for Glenn here. Yeah, that was he a is, rough looking scene. Yeah. He is not looking in healthy at all. Um, Glenn says that there are too many of them and that his friends will come looking. Now, he has no idea that Merle is part of a community of 75 people. Right. He mm-hmm. thinks he's like on his own hiding in a basement. Um, and Glenn goes on to list everyone who might come looking for him, like uh, Shane, Jim, uh, Dale. Jackie, Dale, and uh Did Andrea. he say Jim? He hey. said Jim. I don't think he said Jackie, but he said Shane, Dale, Jim, and Andrea, at least. And of course, you know, Merle, this cues accuse him that he's lying or tips him off that he's lying really what do you mean really no really that's what he said basically he was asking it's like really is oh that... yes sorry he's like yeah are you <laughs> really that's who's that's who's coming is it yeah so the interesting thing here is all this revealed to merle is that glenn was lying yep not that no other information which i thought was neat but it also pissed merle off quite a bit i think mm-hmm. so um, we go to commercial, and when we come back, Herschel's treating Michonne, and Carl is there keeping watch. Yep. Which I thought was interesting. Well, that's what he's supposed to do. Remember what I said about uh, spreading out? Mm-hmm. You know, when you get to, when somebody is uh, a threat, spread out a little bit. Well, he was way behind He them. was yeah. on Overwatch. That's what you do. He was back there, and uh, Michonne, even if she wanted to attack, couldn't have taken them both out in a single sweep. Is that so, the term, Overwatch? Yeah. He was that. in the correct position to reconnoiter the situation. <laughs> <laughs> Overwatch, yeah. I, all right, you used it last week too, and I. Uh, well, I'm gonna look. It I up let there. it pass. Um, anyways, okay. Carl is taking the Overwatch position, and uh, that's good because if Michonne does something crazy, he can take her out. Yeah. Or in, in modern warfare, Overwatch is the state of one small unit or military vehicle supporting another unit while they are ex- executing fire and movement tactics. All right, it's Overwatch. Good. This is like the vo- vocabulary show. Every episode, we learn a new word. Yeah, and I <laughs> use something that I'm not entirely sure of what it means or if I'm using it in the correct context. Right. <laughs> and we learned something. Jason's <laughs> unsure word of the week. That's right. <laughs> so uh, after that scene, we get the group deciding who will go to find Maggie and Glenn. Before they leave, though, Rick takes Carl aside and apologizes that he had to kill his mom. Yeah. This was the scene I was talking about. Carl is, again, he's really strong in this scene. He he sort of tells his dad, it's okay. I had to do it. I had to do what needed to be done, and uh, I'll be fine. Goes back to that uh, that scene in the barn, that flashback from a couple episodes ago. Mm-hmm. You know, when Rick had that chat with his son, and you know, clearly that had a profound impact on Carl. Yep, absolutely. Well done. 
Rick also tells Carl that he has to keep everyone safe while they're gone, essentially putting him in charge. Yeah. He's like, of course. Yeah. Um, the only other able-bodied male who I think was left behind was Axel. Yeah. Yeah, Jasper. 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 Slash Axel. Um, otherwise, it's Carl and Beth and Herschel, who has one leg, and Carol, who's taking care of the baby, it looks like, at this point. Right. So Carl is the man of the house for a little while. Yeah. It's funny how Carl is the man of the house over Axel. <laughs> but hey, what are you going to do? I have a question, though. Didn't Axel say, I'll go? He did. So okay. did Beth. So did Beth. And neither right. of them end up on the expedition. Right. I was surprised, actually, to hear Beth say, I'll go. And I was actually wondering if they would actually That's take, her sister. take her along. That's her sister. Well, I know. It's her sister. But, I mean, Beth has not done a lot on this show. And I was actually kind of looking forward to her being a part of this rescue operation. Right. She's, what, 17? Yeah. They're not going to let her go. Well, you never know. I mean, they have limited resources, you know? Maybe it would make more Carl sense. A gun. They did. Yeah, and maybe it would make more sense for Oscar to stay back and as protection and bring Beth. I don't know. Instead, Oscar goes with them and Beth stays there. That's all I'm saying. Hmm. Um, now, before this scene ends, they also decide to name the baby, which uh, is seems like it's been a long time coming since baby this baby's been born for two episodes. Yeah. Although I think it's probably only been a couple of days, so probably. sometimes it takes a while to name babies. And they decide on the name Judith. Judith. Which is the same name as they use in the comic book. Mm-hmm. Now, Carl decides on the name uh, Judith because that was his grade three teacher's name. Which is weird. Where did this come from? <laughs> is, is this... This is not comic related, and uh, like... It seems like a weird person to name your kid after, your grade three teacher. Great. Well, what grade would he have been in? He's 12. He's 12. So, so he would have been would like be grade six. six. Yeah. And he said, remember my grade three teacher? Her name was Judith. Let's use that name. And Rick is like, yeah, great idea. Why not? It just, you'd think there would be some sort of special connection to it. And grade maybe three, he just loved his third grade teacher. My grade know. three teacher was Miss Smiley. I don't know what her first name was. Mine was Mrs. Wheelock. Wheelock. She was fantastic. Don't remember mine. I loved her. You, you went to school, right? I did go to school. Did you go? To, did you skip grade three? No, I remember my uh, kindergarten teacher's name, but not. Uh, I couldn't grade do three. kindergarten. Not grade three, really? No, not grade three. Grade uh, two was Mrs. Nurkula. You, you got some good teacher <laughs> yeah, names, man. Good. That's amazing. <laughs> and uh, grade four, five, and six, I had the same teacher, Miss uh, Comfort, Miss Johnson, and Miss Duso. She had three different names. Yeah, she got married twice <laughs> in three years. So Miss Comfort was her uh, maiden name. Comfort Johnson and, and Duso. John, Johnson. Then she got married, Miss Johnson, and then the next year was Mrs. Duso. Because will got you comfort married my again. Johnson? I may do so. <laughs> I knew there was a joke in there oh! somewhere. <laughs> if you'd only twenty com- years, yeah. twenty years that's been going around in my head, and there's no. <laughs> if you only, Thanks, Dave. if you only could go back in time and use that joke, Jason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just may do so. <laughs> That's amazing. It is. Um, where the hell are we? So they they they, they <laughs> named the, Judith. Yeah, they named the baby Judith, and that's nice. It's the same name as the comic. Ties it all together. Yeah. They pack up the car and they head out. So the rescue group is Daryl, Rick, Oscar, and Michonne, because I guess Michonne is the one who has to lead them there. Well, yeah. <clears throat> sort of forces them to trust her at this point. Right. We cut over to Milton's laboratory. <clears throat> And there's music playing on a turntable, rather loudly, obnoxiously, I thought. I don't know. I think it was that. I thought it was kind of nice. I mean, I like the music. It just felt a little overpowering in the scene to me. Anyways, the governor and Andrea come in. Milton is there with Mr. Coleman, who is lying on a bed. He's an old man. The governor thanks Mr. Coleman for what he's about to do. 
And uh, Milton asks Andrea to play the first song on the record and then asks Mr. Coleman some questions and has him respond by raising his hand if they're true. Right. But we don't really know what's going on in this scene yet. Nope. Other than Milton is... But you do have a suspicion, right? Well, you have a suspicion, but they haven't laid it out yet uh, for you. And um, Milton is just doing an experiment. That's kind of what he does on the zombies, I guess. We go into Glenn, who is struggling with the chair. He's by himself for a minute here. Suddenly, Merle comes in with a zombie oh, man. <laughs> on, a, on a stick. Zombie on a stick. Yeah, we learned what the name of those sticks were. Those Overwatch sticks. Animal control sticks. Reconnoiter rods. <laughs> <laughs> I like, like both of those. Well, no, not, no, no. Not we've, a man catcher. Let's, we've been through this. We've been through this. A man catcher is an actual thing. I thought that was Mrs. Comfort Johnson. Do so. <laughs> <laughs> no, a man catcher is a stick that you, you, you grab people with. Yeah, maybe. maybe. Okay, let's go with man catcher. We've been through this on a, on a previous podcast, and uh, <laughs> you're going to be all right over there. Well, we got uh, we got catch all poles. I've got cat grabbers. I think it's a catch all snake tongs. <laughs> okay, yeah, zombie tongs. I think that's zombie a good tongs. One. There we go. Zom- Walker tongs. Done and done. So Merle comes in with the zombie on the zombie tong, yeah, and <laughs> he releases it in the room. Well, he brings it right up to Glenn and says, uh, this is your last chance. Tell us where you Tell are. Tell us where they are. Glenn says no, and then he releases the zombie. I and didn't think he was going to do it. I didn't think he was going to do it. Well, this this is the ultimate. He's like, you're toast. You're, t- you're duct taped to a chair. You can't move, yep. and you're about to get eaten by a zombie. But Glenn, being the hero that he is, manages to kick the zombie over yep. and uh, fight him off. This goes back to the first season and the change in character, like between comics and TV show of Glenn, I think is fantastic. Is that this Glenn is a lot more resourceful? Well, not resourceful, I guess aggressive. Mm-hmm. But I don't mean like violently aggressive. I mean like he's more willing to get his hands dirty. He's mm-hmm. less timid, way less timid, and and way more skilled. Mm-hmm. You know, in yeah. in this kind of thing, anyways. Apparently, yeah. he was always you know a skilled um, guy who can get you stuff. Yeah, but or scout or whatever. But now he's clearly a um, action hero, uh-huh. <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's really the only way to de- describe it. Well, yeah, I mean, Tom Cruise would have a hard time doing this. Sure. I mean, th- this kind of thing would show up in Mission Impossible, and uh, what's-her-name from The Avengers did this. That's Oh, yeah, this was The Avengers scene, uh, Black Widow Black scene. Widow. Tied to a chair, takes out four guys, but in this case it was one zombie. Right. Now, he. so what happens is the zombie comes at him, he leans back in the chair, puts his feet up, pushes the zombie in the chest, he knocks himself over in the chair, yep. and the zombie goes down the other way. Yep. Here's my question. Would you have enough force going both ways to knock both of you over? Yeah. Do you think so? Yeah, yeah. equal force. Yeah, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Right. So would you be able to knock down a human and knock yourself over in a chair? I'm not yeah, so, so sure. Come on over here. Let's try it. We'll try it later. Well, don't, I'm sitting <laughs> in a chair right now. We can give this a shot. What about the forward momentum of the zombie? Well, that's what knocked him over, right? Right, and that's what I mean. Oh, yeah, I can see that. It depends on the uh, how fast the zombie was going. Yeah, maybe he wasn't going that fast. I just think the well, zombie... he was lurching over, right? He was lurching. He wasn't going that fast. If it was a moving vehicle, I don't think it would work. And it's not no. like they're incredibly well-balanced. It's not like he was knocking yeah. a man over. No, that's true. They don't uh, have the agility of a cat. I understand. I just think the zombie probably would have fallen forward onto Glenn, which would have exacerbated her right, We need a physics professor of some kind to do the math for us. Yeah, estimate the speed that the zombie was traveling. Yeah. 
and I don't the, know the it's, relative it's masses. Yeah. Okay, but it's completely irrelevant because it was just really cool to watch. It was so, very cool to momentum watch. Momentum is mass times velocity. <clears throat> okay, right, and uh, and any uh, any <laughs> reaction like this, uh, momentum is always uh, the same. Like right. you, you never lose momentum, so you just transfer it around. So uh, Glenn took some of the moment, momentum from the zombie and pushed off. Anyway, somebody he, do the math. They they fell down. They both fell down. It, it, <laughs> the, the, the move worked is what we're trying to say. The math comes out. They both fell down. There you go. Um, so they, they fight it. He fights him off and eventually breaks the chair off of his back. Um, and at one point, the Glenn gets his teeth. I mean, the zombie gets his teeth on Glenn's arm, yep. which is covered in duct tape. Duct tape, duct tape. armor. Yay. Duct that tape was fantastic. Armor. It, can, it can do everything. Tell me you didn't cheer just a little bit. Oh, yeah. Was. I was very excited about the duct tape armor. Totally. Yep. We were just talking about it last week. I'm gonna, yep. I want to duct tape my arms and get somebody to try and bite me and see what happens. We'll try that later, too. Well, don't forget, he also, he also had the, uh, the arm of the chair duct taped into there, right? Yep. He so did. added layer of... It's all good stuff. Nobody can bite through duct tape. I mean, it would be really hard. <clears throat> it would be hard. Um, but see, the, the duct tape protects him, and with his other hand, he spikes the walker through the head. Yep. yep. So down it goes. Part of the chair. So, and then we cheered. Yeah, that's right. And we cheered, and we went to commercial. And so did Glenn, <clears throat> actually. He cheered. It was well, more of a, you know, cry and anger and pain and, and screaming. Yeah, but, it was. Uh, it was I, I, I thought of it as a cheer. I think he was happy to be alive, yeah. you know, after that. Not many people survive a zombie attack while duct taped to a chair, so. I don't know. Well, let's I, do the let's do let's let's calculate the odds. <laughs> let's not. We might put Dave to sleep. We need again. some actuarial tables on this. <laughs> sure. Moving on. You get on those. We come back from commercial, and Merle is explaining. Uh, no, not Merle. Milton is explaining to Andrea what the experiment is. Uh-huh. What he's doing. He says he's going to ask him some questions after he reanimates Mister Coleman, and see if he can respond. If see if there's any residual memory. In his brain. That's a good idea. Yeah, why not? We should get the definitive answer on this for once and for all. We've been talking about it for a long time. Andrea says, no, they are monsters. There's nothing left of the original person. She has, she's convinced that there's nothing in there anymore. Mm -hmm. So uh, Milton admits that he has not seen the transformation before, and we find out that he had no family before the outbreak. So he's just... uh, Only child, parents dead, telecommuted. No friends, no family, no nothing. Never left his house. Yep. Probably didn't even put on pants. The zombie apocalypse was good for him. Got him out of the house, at least. At least. So that's two people. That's <laughs> what? two. Well, it was good for the governor. Yeah. That's right. Good for Milton. Some people thrive. Good for Milton. It may have even been good for Merle, other than the hand losing. Well, yeah. You know? I think it just sort of loosened Merle up a little bit. <laughs> it was kind of the same before and yeah. after for Merle, <laughs> I think. So they wait around. Mr. Coleman dies. And they restrain him to the bed. And Milton's hand is shaking so much, so Andrea has to do it for him. Mm-hmm. So Milton's a little nervous at this point. Uh, now, I have a call from Peter in New York that I'm going to play right now, because he had some thoughts on this scene. All right. Hey, guys. Peter from New York again. And uh, I just wanted to make a quick comment about Andrea and Milton. Now, earlier in the season, Milton expressed some interest in trying to find out if walkers, you know, still had memory from when they were alive. And in last night's episode, he even conducted a full experiment, and uh, Andrea was just with him. And, you know, she just seems to go along with it. But in season one, it was revealed to the group by the scientist, Jenner, that when you become a walker, that part of your brain that has memories is pretty much fried, and you don't have any of it. Now, 
uh, I don't know if Andrea just forgot, but she doesn't tell him, and she just goes along with the, the entire experiment. And, you know, to me, I remembered this, and it was just kind of pointless watching that entire that entire uh, thing. So I was just a bit just a bit disappointed in Andrea there. Uh, yep, just wanted to make a little comment. Uh, keep up with the good work, guys. See ya. Thank you, Peter. Um, what did you guys think of this scene and, and the whole storyline of the experiment that he was doing? Um, to get things started, I'll tell you that I, you know, you know, I've I've said in past episodes that I haven't really been digging the Andrea Governor stuff this season, or at least it's been sort of dragging on for me. Right. And this stuff was a bit of an extension of that. I thought they dedicated way too much screen time to this uh, plot line of the experiment and so on. We got three or four different scenes of them coming in there, setting it up, explaining what it is, then actually doing the experiment, and I just didn't see the point of it all. Like. What new information was revealed to us? Uh, I think we got a little bit more insight into Milton's character. <clears throat> that might be it. I think I think Milton may end up being a bigger player in this than than we may expect. And I think that's why this scene was important. Okay, so I guess we'll get into it later, but does this scene confirm or deny the fact that zombies may that have residual memory. We know they don't. Neither. Neither. I don't think it confirms nor denies it. it so it didn't give us that information. All we found out was that Andrea um, believes that there's nothing left, which we sort of already knew anyways. And I don't blame her for thinking that after her sister was, was turned into a zombie. And we find out, our, uh, and, and that's it. Well, we find out that Milton has never witnessed anything like this before. We find out that he's extremely nervous mm-hmm. about doing that. We also know that he takes his uh, experiments very seriously, and we know that uh, he is probably extremely frustrated and disappointed that uh, his theory did not prove true. You don't think we could have learned all that in maybe one scene instead of four? Like It, it just felt like filler to me. This this whole this whole mm. part of this episode. No, I thought it was important. It was a little bit of filler and a little bit important. I can, my problem is I agree with everybody, <laughs> a little bit. Chris, right? your opinion is wrong. <laughs> Except for Chris, you're dead wrong. Right. Uh, <laughs> I, I I think it was it. Now that you mentioned it, it was a little uh, you know a little fluffed up. It did take up a lot of the episode. Uh, I don't think we confirmed nor denied the uh, the residual memory of uh, of a zombie. I don't think Milton's uh, experiment was valid because his control. Uh, tests were uh, one way without, you know, uh, Mr. What's-His-Eyebrows didn't have uh, any restraints on, mm-hmm. and then they put restraints on him and asked him questions as a zombie. So that's that's changing the, uh, the circumstances of the experiment, mid-experiment. What about... For one. Sorry, sorry go ahead. No, you can finish yours. All right, now. and uh, the second thing is uh, the residual memory, uh, I, I think, is a very low-level muscle memory rote kind of thing and not a, do you remember your wife? Yeah, kind of thing. <clears throat> right. So I think uh, his experiment was flawed on a number of levels. So I don't think that uh, we learned anything, but I don't think we concluded that uh, it wasn't true either. But doesn't that just make the scene worse, that now we have Milton, who's supposed to be a scientist, respected, smart guy, and he conducts an experiment that is completely bogus? I never thought that he was an exp- uh, a scientist. What kind of scientist telecommutes? <laughs> he was a well, programmer, and they slid a pizza under the door every once in a while. That's the feeling I'm getting now, yeah. Yeah, so no, I don't think he was a scientist. He's just super, super nerdy. He's very nerdy, and I think that uh, people have confused nerdy with smart. 
maybe, yeah, I guess the governor's decided that this is the only nerd we've got, so let's see what he can do. Yeah. Well, I don't know. It, it, it didn't really work for me. I'm not totally against the idea of seeing what Milton's doing in some of his experiments. The stuff that we got in the first Woodbury episode where he brought in Michonne's pets and was examining them and um, noted that they were slowly starving and things like that, that was interesting and I thought much more valid right. and was done so much quicker in, in the episode than this scene yeah. was. And it, I don't know, it, I, I felt it slowed the whole thing down and it just didn't give us any, anything new. Sorry, Dave, really? what, what did I cut you off? Uh, I was just thinking about season one and uh, what's his face's, what's his eyebrow's wife who came to the door and tried the door? Why can't I remember his name? Uh, Morgan. 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 Morgan's yes. wife came to the door. Yeah. And the. Uh, but I, again, I think that's what you said, uh, you know, just muscle memory, not an actual. Hey, here's my house. Yeah. I'm gonna go make some toast. I know. I know. I realize you're a zombie and everything, but could you possibly listen to my questions and respond appropriately? It makes no sense. No, it doesn't make any sense. It's performed, and it, you know, he basically took uh, Pavlov's dog experiment and applied all of those rules to this zombie when, in fact, it didn't wasn't appropriate at this time. You know, like ringing the 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 super, what you know that bowl thing he was doing. Yes, and he was, uh, making the noise and then playing the music and having all these cues. That was all Pavlov's dog's cues, right? Ring the bell, give him food. When you ring the bell, he salivates. Makes sense, right? It doesn't work in a zombie uh, experiment because you know they don't think. They don't have higher uh, brain functions. They have low-level brain functions. They walk around. They try and eat. And that's about it. Dogs have more cognitive ability than a zombie, I think. I would think so. Right. Anyways, didn't work for me, but uh, I'm, I would have been fine if it was a little bit shorter, I think. But we go to Merle now updating the governor on what he's learned from Glenn, which isn't much. <laughs> pretty much nothing, except that Glenn's lying. Right. Uh, and the governor decides to go talk with Maggie instead of Merle. Yeah. He decides to take over the interrogation. <clears throat> so the governor comes into Maggie's room, and at first he's kind of friendly with her in his in the way he is. You know, he's friendly with everybody. He was governor friendly. That's right. He cuts her hands free from the duct tape and he sits down and he uh, he tries the same thing he did with the helicopter pilot, the military guy who survived that. He says, tell us where your people are. We'll bring them back here where it's safe. I promise. Everything will be great. Um, but that doesn't work. That's because she's not part of the dumbass military <laughs> unit that they were all part of. <laughs> the dumbass military. <laughs> and she also heard how they treated Glenn. She could hear that's Glenn, true. Exactly. She was. She not, knew what was up. She's not dumb. Not happy about that. So she partying smart. She uh, she doesn't relent, and um, he turns he turns on the super creepy and uh, super evil. Mode. He try, tries to creep her out. Yeah. Well, he asks her to stand up and remove her shirt. Yep. Um, I guess this is a power play over her, you know. And uh, she refuses, but he threatens to blink, bring Glenn's hand in there. So he threatens violence against Glenn. So she does it, and she's now standing there topless and covering herself. Mm. So in a, a really submissive position to him at this point. Right. In a very <clears throat> um, uncomfortable position. Yeah, absolutely. The governor stands up and removes his gun belt, yep. which I thought was an interesting choice, and walks around behind her. This was tense. Yeah. Maggie uh, looks like she's just going to vomit. She's so disgusted by this guy. And he starts putting his hands on her and touching her hair and things like that. Then he slams her down over the table. And uh, she says, whatever you're going to do, do it. 
and then go to hell. <laughs> so she's not. Yeah, Maggie. She's not. Yeah, she's not relenting here. She's sort of saying, you know, do what you're going to do. I'm not going to. I'm not going to cooperate at all. But he gets up and he walks away from her. Yep. After standing there for a minute, he walks away, and we go to commercial. When we come back, our search party, who uh, I guess have been on the road, they pull over and they decide to walk from where they are. A walker is approaching as they're leaving the car, but they don't kill it. They just did let that it, surprise you? Let no. it walk up. I thought that was rather uh, nice. One zombie alone is not going to be uh, worth the time and effort to go after them when they're just leaving but the area right anyway. Turn around. Chook. One less you have to worry about. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm surprised they didn't take it out in some sort of non-ammo-depleting way, like a crossbow or something, but they just decided to walk away and, and leave it. I think uh, I think this is not a good sign. That they're becoming too nonchalant mm-hmm. about zombies? Yep. Yeah, you, you could be right. I mean, one zombie is still a threat if it's close enough, mm-hmm. or if you're unaware of it. Or if a herd develops. Yeah, that's right. That's I mean, true. It's take it out, and it's one less zombie in the world anyways, which mm-hmm. is probably a good thing, too. Um, so they walk into the forest, and um, it's not too... Oh, uh, Rick and Daryl. Rick thanks Daryl for helping with the baby while he was in Crazy Town, which is nice. He's thanking him for going <laughs> was, on the formula. While well. he worked things out. Yeah, while he was working things out. Yeah, I prefer to call it Crazy Town. Is it just me? Is Daryl looking a little bit more buff these days? Well, that might happen in the zombie apocalypse, all that know. running and working and lifting and... Norman Reedus, you mean you think he's been working out? Maybe. Okay. I I think so. (laughs) Maybe he's up for a part. Let's check IMDb. I think his arms, he's always had pretty good arms. That's why he never wears sleeves on his shirt. I just thought his arms were a little bit more developed. Ladies, ladies. Let us know. Let us know. (laughs) Am I right? Am I wrong? Um, So they're walking along, and it's not long before they're surrounded by walkers in the forest. They fight a little bit, but they decide there's too many, and they have to to run. They, uh, They flee, and they come across an old barn. And bust right in the door. Mm-hmm. Barn busters. Yep. <clears throat> Walkers are outside, and after a after they find a dead dog, which apparently smells really bad, th- yep. <laughs> they find a guy, like did a you, living guy. Did you hear what Nor- uh, Norman Reedus Daryl said when they walked in the? Uh, what, walk did he, in his, what did he say? He said, "You smell it, dude. Uh, do you smell that? It's real loud." He said. He <laughs> said that it was loud. I listened to it like three times. He said that was a very loud smell. Go back. Well, Listen to it. I don't know. It smells loud. <laughs> Maybe that's, uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's funny. Weird. They can't have said that. It. I went back. I it listened no to sense. it like three times. No, I it doesn't make any sense. I'm process- I like those words. I know what all those words mean. But not in that order. But not in that <laughs> context. Go context. back and check it out. I listened to it three mm-hmm. times. I went back just to make sure he said, you smell that? It's loud. Okay. Well, what we'll do is we'll turn on the closed captions later and see it's, what they say. It's yeah. Wild. No. It's. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's. I mean, maybe it's a cloud. He, it was. It was a one-liner. He was being funny, right? It's yeah. a trap. That's. There you go. It's a trap. Um. But they. Uh. So they find this guy living in there, and he's some weird hermit dude who doesn't seem to know what's going on. No. We'll call him Hee-haw. Hee-haw, Hee-haw is there, and he has a shotgun on Rick. And Rick says, "I'm a police officer," and he says, "Let me see your badge." Like that means <laughs> no, anything. He said, "I'll call. Uh, I'll call the cops," which clearly sort of lets him know that you know he's hanging out here with his best friend, the dead dog, the, the dead, dead dog. dog. <laughs> yeah, and he's going to call the cops. Yeah, so I'm out in the middle of the woods. He's not all there. No, he doesn't seem to know what's going on. Maybe no zombies have been at his door for some time. Maybe months. he just snapped. 
or maybe he just snapped. Yeah, just that morning. Who knows? Um, but they end up fighting, and he runs for the door. And Michonne stabs him through the through the shoulder or the back, I guess. Yeah, through the throat. I thought. No, it was no. through the uh, the upper shoulder, like chesticular the region, top of his lungs, kind of thing. It was not a mortal wound. He would not have died instantly. Not instantly, but he probably would have died. Yeah, but he, he was not. He well, they threw him to the zombies, but he would have he lived. Was, he looked pretty dead. He looked pretty dead, but I yeah. don't think he would have been if that would, had been an actual wound. Mm. Right. He he went down instantly dead. I think. Yeah. Um, uh, and maybe she went up through the heart. And I don't know. Yeah, maybe the blade as it went in went down about six inches, <laughs> then through his heart, and then up six inches, and then out the front. It's a very special katana. It is. Um, so what they do is they throw him out the door, like you said, so the zombies can eat him and be distracted while they escape out the back. Where there are no zombies and they didn't need to throw him out the door to be distracted. Yeah, but if they, those, if there were zombies out back and they threw this guy out front and the zombies out back say, hey, there's something happening in front. Scrambles. Yeah, and, and they uh, went out the back and there was a lake. They ran around back the front to go back the way they came from. Uh, so they passed by the zombies, right? And they needed them to be distracted eating the guy. Otherwise, they would have seen them and just continued following them. Right. So it was a sound plan. It was a good plan. Except the guy wasn't dead. Except for that one little small thing. But he was dead. But he wasn't. Dead, he wouldn't have been dead. Dead or not. Shouldn't have been dead. Yeah. Dead or not. Should have. Would have. Could have. They threw him out the door. They and got sure did. Eaten by those zombies. I agree with that part. Uh, I have a call here from Danny, and I, I'm Danny. not sure I didn't write down what Danny has to say. So hopefully it's relevant to this part of the or part of the episode. Let's see. <laughs> Let rip, Danny. Let's see what Danny has to Quality say. Quality podcasting. Yeah, that's right. Hey guys, this is uh, Danny from Balflower. Um, uh, I was actually the one that posted about the uh, the governor's diary on on Facebook. I just have a question for you about last night's episode uh, 307. Uh, if that one scene where uh, Michonne kills that one guy in the in the shack. And then they throw him to the zombies. <clears throat> if that was the most glorious scene of all the Walking Dead uh, episodes so far, uh, let me know what you think. And I thought it was pretty gory. Uh, they did a poll on it on AMC, and uh, it didn't get the it didn't get too high on, on the gory gauge meter. But I thought it was pretty gory. All right, guys, uh, thanks a lot uh, for your uh, for your podcast. I really appreciate it. Uh, talk to you later. Bye. Thanks, Danny. So. Um this was our gore scene of the episode. You know, yeah, I, I think so. When they were when they were eating them, it was pretty. It was pretty, pretty gross. gross. We got yes. some up close shot of the yeah. barbecue filled bags of stomach. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> gross stuff. Thanks, Danny. So we go to commercial at this point. When we come back, we're back with Andrea and Milton, and uh, Mr. Coleman reanimates. He comes back. Milton tries asking the questions, but it doesn't work. And he decides that he needs to unbind one of his hands so that he can properly respond. He's clearly not thinking properly. Right. Clearly not. And this is the uh, the lack of uh, lack of control, like having a control uh, for the experiment. Because yeah. either you, you sh- they should have bound his arms and legs before he died and asked him questions so that at least he was used to it. Well, no, just you have the strap a little bit looser. Yeah. Well, that's what they did. The straps were there, but they weren't tightened or whatever, right? So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It. I don't know. I mean, bind him at the elbow so he can only raise his his the forearm. You or know? do the controls where you ask him a question and you're six feet away, right? <laughs> so that you can ask him a question when you're safely six feet away and he can respond or not. Yeah, that, that seems like it would make a lot of sense too. You're yeah. right. 
Anyways, it doesn't work. So he unbinds one of his hands with Andrea protesting because she knows it'll her Coleman will lunge right away. I don't know if you're aware of this, but this is a zombie. <laughs> and if you let him loose, he's going to try and attack you. I tried to tell you. <laughs> so he does that. And, of course, Coleman lunges. But Andrea puts a knife through his skull. Immediately. Just immediately, but just before he gets Milton. Yep. So she saves Milton's life just in time here. We go to Merle, Martinez, and the governor, and they bring topless Maggie into Glenn's room. Yep. Still, they haven't let her get dressed. Yeah, why? Why, why, why would you bother? For a psychological effect. There's, yep. <clears throat> when you when you take when you're going to shame a man, you take his clothes off of him. Yep. If you're going to shame a woman, you make her remove her own clothes. This whole psychological warfare is what he's doing. Right. You know, if he was going to do it to Glenn, he would strip Glenn or have people strip Glenn because it would take his pride away. Right. I'd agree but, with that. Yeah. So I saw that in a Charles Bronson movie once. Did you? What movie? <sighs> Death Wish? No. Death Wish 2? The Evil That Men Do? Death Wish 3? Oh. The, yeah. th- this, uh, this governor could, this scenes in Woodbury could be named that. Um, so they walk her in and... Uh, uh, what happens? She, um, the governor threatens to shoot Glenn in the face oh. if, if one of them doesn't give up the information that they want. Yep. And at that point, Maggie does relent, and she tells them they cleared out the prison and that there's 10 of them. Uh, and uh, the governor says, thank you. He puts his gun down, and before he leaves, he gets uncomfortably close to Maggie again, yep. touching her, rubbing her hair. She's recoiling. And eventually, though, he pushes her forward and leaves her with Glenn. Because he's testing Glenn. Is that what he's doing? I think uh, I think he's not done with her yet. Well, we should talk about this after uh, after the, the mm-hmm. recap yep. here. But um, okay. he leaves her with he leaves her with Glenn at this point. Um, we see him then chatting with Merle Martinez and Milton, and they are amazed that a group of 10 cleared the prison. So they're not sure maybe Maggie was lying to him. Yep. The governor thinks either you know, either she's lying and there's a much bigger community that's moved in right in their neighborhood, or uh, they just don't think that 10 people could clear out the prison. Yeah. Um, it's impossible. It's impossible. Merle said it couldn't be done, yep. apparently. Yep. So the governor questions Merle about his loyalties, and Merle hesitates and says, here, even though he knows his brother is over that? there. Over there with Do you believe uh, that? them. Do you believe that? That his loyalty is here? I think I do believe it, or at least I think Merle believes it at this point. Right. Yeah. Um, things can change once he finds his brother face to face, which mm-hmm. I got to assume is going to happen next episode. Um, but I think Merle believes it right now, mm-hmm. I think. Do you believe it? I believe that Merle believes it. There you go. I believe that Merle wants to believe it. <laughs> But I also believe that Merle loves his brother very much. Like, racist douchebag that he is, whatever. One fact that does not change is that Merle loves his little brother. That's true. That is very true, and that's what I mean. Like, Merle's comfortable where he is, and he's got a, you know, a high-up position in the government of Woodbury, but once his brother comes face-to-face with him, all bets are off. Yep. I think is what I'm trying to say. Uh, Before the scene ends, they decide to send a group to scout the prison. A small group. A small group, yes. So one person. One, maybe two. Maybe two. You don't send someone out by themselves. Doesn't make sense. Depends on how small of a group you want. I suppose that's true. Meanwhile, our search party is approaching the Woodbury Wall after dark. And by wall, I mean front gate, which seems a little crazy. You'd think they'd 
pick a less conspicuous spot. Um, but they stop to observe, and they just start sort of looking at what they see. Inside the wall, Andrea goes back to the governor's house. Um, she pours a drink because she's had a rough time one with drink. that experiment. One big drink. She doesn't pour a drink for him nope. and her to share. Just for herself. Just for herself. Now, did you see the look in the governor's face? When she poured the drink? I kind of got the impression that he was looking at it saying, hey, that's my booze. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's my whiskey. What are you doing, yeah. woman? Um, he was not amused. But they kiss anyways, and he's comforting her. And she tells him the experiment didn't work. And, uh, yeah, they continue to hug because she's a little bit upset about it. And just before the episode ends, the camera focuses in on the governor's face. And, uh, yeah, he looks he looks a lot of different things. I had trouble sort of reading his expression, but he looks concerned and angry and worried and pissed off and a lot of other things. I think he's thinking about that prison. Well, and what he could do there. I think he's distracted. I, well, I think he's distracted from the moment at that right. that particular instant. But, uh, yeah, I think he's thinking about the prison and... He's thinking about how maybe he missed an opportunity to mm-hmm. take it over. Yep. And now it's going to be more difficult. Maybe there's 50 people in there and not just 10. Yep. But so, if he could clear it, that'd be a good place for his town. Oh, it sure would. Or at least an expansion of the town yep. or a source of supplies. I yep. think the governor's feeling a little bit of insecurity at this scene yep. because well, he doesn't know. A, you know, a group of survivors that have the uh, the strength and the skill to clear out that prison and there's only 10 of them, that makes him nervous. Yep. Absolutely. Because he's, he's, living, with a, like he's living with a small group of, of sort of you know, skilled protectors, yep. and everyone else is just you know, working in the flower shop in Woodbury, right? Schmoes. Yeah, yeah they're just schmoes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so when you think about it, he may have a lot more people, but he probably doesn't have a group bigger than 10 that can actually you know, fire a weapon and protect themselves. Yep. Well, he's got Merle. He's got Martinez, Martinez himself. Milton probably doesn't count. Milton, no, Milton, is, no. If he could telecommute to the battle, he'd be fine. <laughs> <laughs> how big? How big was uh, when they went after the paramilitary a few episodes back? How big was that group? Oh, the the army guys. There was, was only like six. Yeah, I think there might have been eight or nine. Like there was there was a fair number of them there, and only five people from Woodbury went and took them out. Yeah. Because Tim is gone. Mm-hmm. Red Pants Tim. And, what have you got in your pocket? And uh, the other two guys that Merle took I out the previous episode. I think it was a pack of episode. mints. It could have been. I don't know what it was. A tin of mints. It was something. All toys. Yeah, it could have been all toys. It could have been strong. a pack of smokes. Yeah. Pack could of cards. iPhone. Could have been a pack of cards. I think uh, it could have. I think pack of cards. You know, you need Big something Big old to box do. of condoms. <laughs> I don't think it was that. <laughs> Because it didn't leave a cir- cir- circular impression. Well, no, we got a, box. a box of condoms, not a big old condom. And it's walla 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 it's, walla walla. There's this condom like six inches on a side. What in diameter? <laughs> Excuse me. It's square. Maybe it was a big wad of cash. It could have been a big wad of cash. Who knows? I'm never going to find out what he had in his pocket. No, I gotta let it. I gotta let this go. Or write a letter <laughs> to who. Or what are what are those things the flamenco dancers use? Castanets. Yeah, maybe it was those. <laughs> They're round, are they? Okay, <laughs> like a condom. Then maybe he made his own because <laughs> he likes to. That's why he's wearing the red pants because he likes to flamenco dance. See, Dave might be onto something. All right, I'm writing Dave a letter then. <laughs> <laughs> you and your stupid theories. <laughs> All right, and that is it. 
for uh, this episode. Now, good night, everybody. Let's talk about before we move on. Let's talk about the Maggie scene. Okay. So, the Are governor we- has Maggie. Mm. We know the governor does some horrible, horrible things in the comic yep. to a different character. Yep. Um, I let's say I won't say who that is in the comic, but he, let's say that he he Glenn. rapes and tortures this other character in the comic. Right. If you've read it, you know. If you haven't, you can probably guess. But I'll leave that for you to figure out. So instead, in the TV show, it's happening to Maggie. So here's my question for you guys: Do you think they meant to imply? Because we didn't see very much on screen. We saw him take her shirt off. Him slam her down on the table, say some inappropriate things, touch her, you know, neck and shoulders and stuff. But that was that. It ended there in terms of what we saw. Do you think they meant to imply that he committed more atrocious acts upon her, or did he leave it at that? I didn't get that impression. I didn't get that impression. Neither did I. I think they sort of left it where it was. He just did enough to freak her out, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, well, intimidate her, essentially. Um. Do you think it's going to end there? You no. were saying no. no. I'm going to say no. I agree with that guy. Especially with the way, because he was testing Glenn when, when he was touching Maggie in front of him and he was grabbing her and he was caressing her. The whole time he was watching Glenn's reaction. And it's like, okay, what can I do to this kid? Just to make him hate me even more. Yeah. Sort of thing. Or break him, you know, break him down another another level. Um, So... I don't know. I'm, I kind of think it probably will end here because the show is going to move on to something else. Our our rescue team is already outside Woodbury. Right. I presume they are going to break in somehow and see what they can do to bring them back. Now, who knows how it will play out? Maybe it won't happen like that at all. But strictly from a timing standpoint, I feel like we're already through the rape slash interrogation scene and we're going to get on to whatever comes next. And this may be... Do you th- like this may be a TV limitation. That's fine. That's that's fine uh, because I think it doesn't have to get that brutal. No, they that you can certainly imply a lot without showing it, which I mean they they did even mm-hmm. if even But if, even if even if nothing else happened. It. Yeah. If that was it. They're just showing that, you know, he's a dick. <laughs> I don't that's know. One way to describe it. I don't know. It did I I I I think it's got to get more brutal than this personally. I don't know if they can do that on TV. You know, I've been uh, I've said this often often enough that you can uh, have more brutality in a drawing uh, or you know comic book form than you can in live action, right? Mm-hmm. You can get away with a lot more. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I, so it might be a, a TV limitation, but uh, I, I don't I don't I don't know I don't I don't think it's over. I don't, I don't know. We've seen some pretty brutal stuff on TV. We have seen we? a lot of brutal stuff on TV, and I don't think that uh, this that storyline of what happens in the comic book. Uh, I don't think this is it. I don't think we've seen it yet. I, I don't I'm know. still not completely discounting the fact that Michonne gets captured again either. I suppose. I mean, that could I'm happen. I'm open. I'm I'm open to whatever they want to do. Yeah, I mean they they haven't led us astray too much this season. Um, but I, I just think it may be a TV limitation. It may be just that they, they, you know, they can't really, I mean, they can't show what happened in the comic on TV. It's just too, uh, graphic. I think. Yeah. Right. They didn't really show it. In well, the, in the comic. The... I know you're, you're right. They did. A lot of stuff happened off screen or you off saw panel. the results. You did see the results. Yeah. Um, and I, they could probably get away with something like that in the TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, they certainly have never shied away from showing gory, horrific stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I, I don't know, but I think whether they mean to or not, I have a feeling we're just moving past it already. We're sort of, this was the scene. It, it was brutal enough for Maggie. It certainly wasn't a pleasant experience for her and Glenn too. And I think the combination of what happened to both of them is supposed to kind of add up to a level of brutality that surpasses anything else we've seen, even mm-hmm. though each one of them was sort of a notch lower. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. The reason why I don't think we're done with that, though, is that we're only at the mid-season finale next week. I mean, didn't they say that the prison was going to be a couple seasons? <clears throat> no, we've always said that. Oh. I think. I don't know if that was official. You guys are the experts the to me. I look to you <laughs> for my answers. They, they don't do what we tell them to do. Except for use duct tape as armor. No, we didn't. Well, no, tell them. they told us that duct tape makes good armor, and we're like, "Yeah, that makes perfect sense." That's a I'm going to go make myself an armor uh, duct tape armor suit for yeah. Halloween next year. Yeah. Yes. Um. All right. Well, I don't know. I, you're right, Dave. They have a whole another half of this season. I'm just sort of working on the assumption that everything's coming to a head next week, and right. after the break, we'll be on to something else, whatever that may be. Um, everything's coming to a neck next week. It'll come to a head at the end of the season. Okay, fine. Everything's coming to a neck. Uh, uh, you're coming to a goiter. <laughs> you and goiters lately. I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> uh, so, but we'll see. I I thought it was certainly effective this week what they did yeah. show, and and it, you know, I was tense and nervous watching it, and I felt bad, really, really bad for our characters because they did not were not put in friendly situations. No, I was uh, excited for Glenn. Because Glenn was kicking a little bit of ass, and uh, despite Maggie's situation, uh, it was just a fantastic line: "Do whatever you're going to do, then go to hell." Yeah, <laughs> it like, was. Yeah, Maggie, was you tell him she's a strong woman. I mean, she really, really. She might have been scared him. out of her wits, but you know, she was not going to give him that satisfaction. No, exactly. Yeah. All right. Uh, anything else about this episode before we take a break? It was really dumb. Yeah, it was no. the worst one yet. It was a dumb episode. I'm going to stop watching. <laughs> uh, I liked it quite a bit. I thought it was one of the stronger ones, even though it had the uh, the experiment scenes right. for me. All right. Well, we will take a short break to thank our sponsor. And uh, when we come back, we have listener feedback. And holy crap, did you see that? So stay tuned. For you, the listeners of The Talking Dead, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial so you have the opportunity to check out their service. Jason, what's our recommendation for the fine people this week? I'm going to recommend something that uh, my wife read and then listened to on Audible and absolutely loved. It's uh, The Haunted House by a whole bunch of authors, uh, including uh, Charles Dickens. Is this a compendium sort of book it is anthology uh, anthology that's the word sort of i'm not really sure what it is it's uh he he wrote the first chapter and then a bunch of other authors wrote in uh, other chapters and he ended up writing the the last chapter and one in between it's called uh it was conducted by charles dixon dickens dixon Daryl Dixon. <laughs> Conducted by Daryl Dixon. Can you imagine and, if he was a conductor? And uh, with Comfort co- Johnson, co- do contributions so. from other. It is called a portmanteau story. 
Oh, portmanteau. That's when you take two words to take two individual words and mash them together and uh, make one new word. Give us an example. Chillax. Relax oh. and chill. That's right. And fed fantasgrate. That's three words, <laughs> I think. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's just two. fantastic. Okay, fantastic. That's, that's three words. Yeah. You're right. Sounds like three. <laughs> so, uh, so with Dickens writing the opening and closing stories, uh, framing stories by Dickens himself and five other authors. So it's uh, kind of a... But it's one story. It's one story. It's Christmas yeah. Eve. It's a haunted mansion. It's a, kind of a, a, a haunted house story. And, uh, and I expect it would be. Yeah. Because it's called... Haunted. The Haunted House. <laughs> But Jenny really, really liked it and really enjoyed the uh, the reading and uh, read by uh, Philip Bird, narrated by Philip Bird. And uh, so I'm, I'm going to recommend that. That's amazing. Um, just before we, we move on, if you are uh, have any listener recommendations for Audible books, we would love to hear them. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, we throw out our recommendations all the time, or at least Jason does. I'm, I'm having a hard time keeping up with a book a week here because uh, well, I try and recommend stuff I'm listening to, right? And sometimes I listen to 40-hour books, and I can't do that in a week. Right. But, but, well, you seem to be able to sometimes. <laughs> yeah, sometimes, yeah. <laughs> but if you have any recommendations as a listener, um, give us a call on the Zom line. We would love to hear them. Um, strictly, uh, you know, if for no other reason, because we're always looking for new books, too, to listen to. Mm-hmm. Audible has 100,000 titles to choose from in all sorts of genres. And if you want a free audiobook, head over to audibletrial.com slash talkingdead. That's audibletrial.com slash talkingdead. For a free audiobook. Listener feedback. All right, we're going to do some listener feedback now. Before we get into the first real uh, call, I just want to bring up something we, we talked about last week, and that was our, our complete lack of, I don't know, in, intelligence when it came to the gun bag that was in, the, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> in the, the governor's house that they focused on a couple of episodes ago. What do you mean? What's well, a gun bag? They focused on this, and we were like, where'd that come from? Why is there a gun bag there? What's going on? And, uh, of course, this is Rick's gun bag from season one. Yep. <clears throat> we didn't remember this at the time. And uh, it's there because Andrea fled the burning farm with the gun bag and has had it this whole time. And, in fact, you even see one of Michonne's zombie pets carrying it uh, as they're traveling around. Right. So when they were captured by the governor and his crew, he took the gun bag and put it in his house. And that's why it's there. That would be like, uh, hey, where'd Daryl get that uh, crossbow? <laughs> you know, where, where did he get that? What, I, how long has he had that How long for? has he had that thing? <laughs> yeah. This is not new to me. I've done this. I've walked down the street and look up at a tree and go, was that tree there before? And it's obviously an 80-year-old tree that you can't just transplant into a new location. So uh, Sure, but I mean... I, I can very well be a big-ass dumbass just and miss things like that big ass dumbass big ass dumbass well anyways we had a lot of people write in about this and i'm going to read all their names because i think it'll be fun okay luke from the internet brian from philadelphia jason from the internet dale from maryland trent the internet paul from australia steven from california brent from wisconsin andrew from the internet kelly from nevada eric from the internet nikki from upstate new york matthew from montreal and kelly from the internet did i say her twice 
nope, we got Kelly from Nevada and Kelly from the internet. So wow. um, thank you, everyone, for pointing that out. And like you said earlier in the week, Jason, if we didn't make heinous errors like that, we wouldn't have anyone uh, to write in and correct us all the time. Yeah, <laughs> we're uh, starting the conversation. That's what we're doing <laughs> by making giant flubs. You all are smarter than us. Yeah, well, you'd think. We pay attention to this, but we do. We just sometimes forget our focus. All right. We're just, uh, we're just a few guys in a room talking. Yeah, just a bunch <laughs> of idiots in a room. <laughs> you know? <laughs> all right, we got a call. Max from Connecticut, he had this to say. Hey, guys. Max from Connecticut calling. I uh, got some likes and dislikes from last night's episode. I'll try to be pretty quick. Um, first of all, what I like, uh, I thought it was suspenseful. Um, I've never liked Glenn more in the comics or the TV show than I do right now. The guy's a badass. I mean, come on. He took a beatdown for Merle and, you know, kind of won Merle over. I think Merle was impressed with him. Um, I, speaking of Merle, I think it's pretty awesome that Merle has no allegiance. He's pretty much the X Factor, and I'm getting a lot out of that storyline. And who would thought, going into the show three years ago, that we would care most about Daryl and Merle more so than almost everything else that's going on? Um, I'm pretty happy that Michonne's finally here. Um, didn't think it would play out like it did. I thought it was a little bit more aggressive on both sides than I anticipated. And my prediction is... Uh, it's going to come down to Daryl and Merle. Um, you know, in the fact that it's either Daryl's going to kill Merle by the end of the season or Merle's going to kill Daryl. And it's all going to be probably, you know, sparked by Merle trying to kill Rick. And, you know, we'll see where that goes. It'll be really interesting to see. Lastly, as a big dislike, I still can't stand Andrea. She's such a slut and she's so ignorant. You know, it really, the contrast of her and Michonne, someone who's really well-equipped to deal with the apocalypse, and someone who's just so, you know, stupid and has no business being alive is Andrea. I mean, even, I couldn't care less about Andrea and the old man. I mean, come on, even Andrea didn't want to be there. All right, that's it for now, guys. Sorry for the long message. Later. Thank you, Max. Andrea, you ignorant slut. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, I don't know if I'd go that far. <laughs> she makes some poor life choices. The problem I have, well, we've gone through. We, I don't, I don't like that scene. But the problem with Andrea is her character's gone from awesome to super lame in the course of like four episodes. Yeah, <clears throat> and it, it's, it's not working for me or Max apparently. You, so you have always believed that the character of Andrea has been awesome. In the TV show, I've always thought she was pretty awesome until now. Really? Yeah. I mean, she's been my least favorite character. Well, that's fine. But I like her better in the comic than I do in the TV show. Much. Um, sure, I could I could agree with that. But in terms of the TV show, I think she's been pretty good. I think she she wrong again. (laughs) (laughs) No, ganging up on me. No, she was. I like her and everything, but she has a tendency to cling on to the strongest man she can find. No, not the strongest man. What she perceives as the strongest man. The meanest man she can find. Or the meanest man. That's what she clings on to. She likes the bad boys. The the manliest man, maybe. She didn't cling on to Daryl. Daryl's pretty manly. No, she chose Shane instead, who who rivals. And he's mean. That's true. He is mean. He's a lot meaner than Daryl. Yep. (laughs) So she likes the mean guys. But um, I thought she was on an okay path at first. You know, she had a family that was interesting. 
She lost her family, which made her sort of an interesting character. She didn't want to continue, but she found a reason to live. She sort of learned how to survive in the zombie apocalypse, even though she came from a place where she didn't. And I thought it was an interesting transformation she was undergoing. And now she's gone on a whole completely opposite transformation to this sort of lame brat. Brat, yeah. That's what I don't like about it. And I don't think it's going to go on forever. I think they are going to bring her back and they're going to they're going to reverse all this when she really finds out the truth or they'll kill her off. I don't know, one or the other. Well, they got to do what they did to James Bond in Casino Royale. Or what did they do to James Bond in Casino Royale? Uh make him fall in love and then uh, have uh, her, her betray him and uh, him be- herpes. Herpes, he got herpes from her. <laughs> They're going to give him the herpes. And that really pissed him off. Right. And uh, now he cannot, uh, he's just this cold machine. May I suggest Please. that perhaps uh, the governor's relationship with Andrea is going to change and something we talked about earlier may come to fruition. I could see that too. I'm confused. You know? <laughs> what are we talking about? <clears throat> the brutalization of a particular character. Oh, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Andrea. Okay. Oh, well, you think so? Well, we're we're all assuming that, uh, you know, Maggie underwent this this uh, brutalization. And you are. Dave and I don't think See, that. Andrea knows about this group. Mm-hmm. Andrea knows a lot about this group. And, you know, the governor may believe that Andrea is holding out on him. Uh, could be, could right. be. Right, and he wants more information, for sure. Um, so that may change their relationship. Yeah, no, that's that's a very good point. <clears throat> and that will work perfectly for what I want to happen, because if she survives whatever she endures, if, if she ends up being tortured or whatever by the governor for information, that oh. will harden her back into the awesome character that she was becoming anyways. Just like James Bond. And, there you go. And Michonne comes and saves her friend. Oh, that'd be sweet. See, that would be a great turn of events. Write it down. <laughs> Send someone a letter. Write it down. Make it so. All righty. Nick from Tampa sent a call. Here's what he had to say. Hey, guys. This is Nick in Tampa. I actually just had a few thoughts. I want to be it. Bye. I was really, really hoping that on the other end of that phone was going to be Shane saying, I told you, Rick. I told you you weren't a real man. You couldn't care for her. I could protect her, and you couldn't. Oh, that would have been sweet. Secondly, I can't recall which one of you said it, because I'm too lazy to go back and check. But you said you'd trade Michonne and Baby Formula for Glenn and Maggie. I would happily accept that trade also, but the other way. I would prefer having Glenn and Maggie on my side, because they're much better conversationalists. Plus, Maggie's not too bad on the eyes. And lastly, seriously, burn notice. Get on it, guys. Fantastic show. (laughs) The best one on television starring Bruce Campbell. Thank you very much, and uh, have a great week. So, fair enough. It's the best show on TV starring Bruce Campbell. (laughs) I agree with that. (laughs) How could it not be? I'm sure it's true. (laughs) So it was you that said that you would trade uh, Maggie and uh, Glenn for Michonne and the Baby Formula. Given the situation... And I said it was a horrendous thing because you're tra- you're giving up people for uh, you know you're trading you're trading people and you can't do that. No, take emotion out of it. Take that all out of it. Pretend this morality. Is, pre- yes, take all that out of it. If this was a fantasy league, if you're in a hockey pool, do you worry about what the char- the players feel? I am not when you train in a hockey them? pool. I'm just saying. No, but I think the characters are better resources than a bucket of food. 
Not when you have a baby in your midst, if and you want the baby to survive. Those but people the, can go out and get more food. Once yeah, you're, once you're done that food, obviously that's can gone. get food. No, I think given the situation, they have a baby, they need to feed this baby. Someone shows up with baby food, or or whatever. They trade Michonne, who is a strong ass kicking character, and a <laughs> basket of baby food, and you got to give something up. You give up Glenn and Maggie. They go but they didn't do that intentionally. Side. I know. All right, all right, all right. We don't need to rehash this whole argument. It is a hypothetical situation <laughs> if The Walking Dead had some sort of fantasy pool. Okay. Which I still think we should start. I have some ideas for it. <laughs> so there you That's go. That's not a bad idea. That I could get on board with. All right, fine. <laughs> um, but it means we're going to have to have a lot more arguments like this, so maybe it's a bad idea. We should start a new podcast. Yeah. Should throw some scotch into the mix. That would solve things quick. <clears throat> yeah. You know, I'm going to try... I. Don't like scotch, but really? I haven't really. I, well, the only time I've ever had scotch is, is when I was seventeen and was like watered down garbage that they were drinking in the. You haven't uh, had the good stuff. No, I've never had the, the good, good stuff. So I think malt. I need to have some good stuff just to try what it uh, what it's like. But generally, I don't like any kind of alcohol. We should have a Christmas party at my house that features single malt. Right. Well, so I, I I agree with that first of all, and um, scotch is a bit of an acquired taste. It you is. can't just have it once and say I hate this. Okay, so you I have, have to, to drink a whole bottle. But well, there's so many different Over time. permutations of like. Like each scotch is its own creature. That's also true. So you you uh, may not like this particular scotch, but a different one, you may actually really like. Some are more peaty, and some are smoky. Smoky. Some and you know I'm skeptical. I don't know. I you know I've never really tried it, but I. <laughs> well, I'm you know what we'd have to sure. do? We'd have to buy like four or five different small bottles of scotch. Yes. And consume them. I'm okay with that. Let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. All right, Jason from DC. Uh, writes in, when Rick was talking to Michonne in the prison, I found it odd that Michonne didn't mention Andrea. In a prior episode, Andrea says to Michonne that you know everything about me, and I barely know anything about you. So I take that as meaning that Michonne is aware of Andrea's prior group, Rick and everybody, and that she either didn't mention that Andrea's in Woodbury to Rick because she was suspicious of Rick, or because she didn't realize that the prison group was Andrea's prior group. Is it weird to you guys that she wouldn't mention... You know, I I've got Andrea. I know I have, or I I traveled with your friend. Why would she? Why would she think that's the group? Because apparently, like Michonne knows everything about Andrea because Andrea talks about herself. We we learned that in a previous episode. Right. And Andrea would have said, "I was with this other group. There was a guy named Rick. He was a former police officer. Here's all the things that happened to us. There's but this maybe, muscular guy with a crossbow. You know. Yeah, but maybe that's what she was seeing when. Uh, they brought the baby out, and Carol saw the baby, and that's when the gears started going. She's like, oh, okay. Right, but after that, they had a conversation about going back to Woodbury, and mm-hmm. I think what Jason is saying is that why wouldn't she say, by the way, they've also got your friend Andrea? Like, maybe not. Maybe she just didn't put two and two together, right? Or maybe she just doesn't like giving up information. That's true. She doesn't talk much. Well, maybe she's really not that smart. <laughs> or maybe this is I the- think she's remarkably smart. Well, Why? She's not giving up information to people that she just met. Well, that's the thing. If you keep your mouth shut, people think you're smart. And if you right. open, uh, if you open your mouth, they know you're dumb. So <laughs> that's sort of Hence how this that podcast. Goes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, so I'm not entirely convinced that she uh, is, you know, completely aware of what's going on around her. Well, yeah, I think maybe she just didn't put two to, two and two together, or she's just withholding it for now. You know. Why complicate things? They already they already have Maggie and Glenn, so let's just focus on one thing at a time. Here. Yeah. Um, the other thing is that it is the 
it's the TV non-conversation where yeah. people don't talk to each other because it's more dramatic if they don't know all the facts. It's three's company. That's right. It's the three's company's in there. <laughs> That's right. Um, uh-oh. Oh, there we go. Uh, Keith from the internet writes, Rick's madness was settled too quickly for my tastes. I think that could have been stretched out for a few more episodes to drive some conflict among the group. I don't think we're done with that. I think we are. I think Rick is all better, and he's moving on to other things. I mean, he might, you know, still talk about Lori and stuff like that to Carl, but I don't think we're getting any more phone calls. I think, I think he's got, got a phone in his backpack. I think he's got a... I was just going to say that. He's got the phone with him. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be surprised. I would be really, really surprised for two reasons. One, I don't think you can have a character talking on imag- in an imaginary phone for too long on a show like this. It just wouldn't work. It would get boring and repetitive. Right. And two... I think what they did with the phone was well done. It worked well, and it, I really felt like Rick went crazy, and the phone <clears throat> transformed him back to sanity. It was like his coping mechanism, and he doesn't need it anymore. That's my feeling. Right. Maybe he has a cell phone. <laughs> sure. Maybe he's got a pager, and right. he'll get pages. <laughs> That's a great idea. Get page from 1987. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Rick, it's Lori when I was 14. <laughs> Um, it's a fax machine. Yeah, that's right. He'll get oh. faxes. <laughs> well, that's kind of hard because uh, you'd actually have pieces of paper, right? That's right. a little more tangible. It's like, yes, I got a fax. Here's the sheet of paper. Only Rick can see the paper. Uh, that's dirty toilet paper, my friend. You should put that away. <laughs> Stop reading it, please. <laughs> it doesn't say anything. <laughs> um, anyways, I think I think we're done for it. Done done with it. I'm I'm sort of glad they wrapped it up quick. Yeah. Auto. All right. Otto from the internet, and he writes in speculating on the governor and Andrea's relationship, and he kind of speculates that it's bad acting, <laughs> and that's the problem with it all. Now, <laughs> he wrote a longer email, but I edited it a bit for length here. Uh, he says, I know you were very excited at the casting of David Morrissey as the governor, but is it possible that he's just not very good at certain kinds of acting? In this case, love. <laughs> a further possibility is that the chemistry between these two actors is just horribly off. Something's up because everyone thinks it is just not ringing true. This might be symptomatic of a bigger problem. I'm getting a bad feeling that the things that don't ring true on this show are beginning to pile up, such as the ambush of the military and the walker being able to consume all of Lori. Some of it is so good and some of it is so bad that it's like we have different people working on different parts and they're not really working well together. Hmm. I think uh, you can't hurry, love. And you just have to wait. <laughs> Take your time. Build a strong relationship. Well, you got to know when to hold them and when to fold them, right? I guess so. Know when to walk away and when to run. Yeah, that's right. Um, I, I kind of agree with this. I think the scene in the garden from the other episode was awkward and poorly acted. But it was also poorly written and conceived. So I, in my opinion, I just don't think anything about it worked. Poorly? Really? Poorly. Poorly. I don't think it was very well done. It was another scene that, like, I don't mean to nitpick, and I know I sound like I'm really down on, on this season, but there's there's way more good than bad on this show right now. Yeah. Way, way, way more. But some of the bad things just seem to be jumping out at me every episode. Maybe that's because, like Otto said, you know, there is some of it is so good that the it makes it amplifies the bad stuff because you notice it more. I don't know. Um, bad acting, maybe, but... There's definitely some. Yeah. Some, yeah. I mean, I've, I've had reservations uh, about the governor and uh, about you know his acting ability. It depends on what he's doing, right? If he's doing right. happy-go-lucky, which is what the, the love scenes kind of are, it's iffy. 
Mm-hmm. But if he's if he's playing an evil son of a bitch with who's very dark and uh, angry, I think he's doing a fantastic job. Yeah, it's, I think those whole sort of lovey-dovey things like like the garden it's just you know that was written by somebody in high school <laughs> <laughs> that's right it was a it was an you know, it was a and you know he's sitting there like oh do i really have to say this yes you do it's your job <laughs> fine i'll say it as best i can yeah um how long has it been <laughs> yeah uh, uh, since you had this scotch this good i mean yeah. it was so awkward um Jason, I think you're right. I mean, we learned during our spotlight on David Morrissey that he's done some really great stuff and some not so great stuff. Best thing he's done. What's best the best thing he's done? Probably the Red Riding trilogy. Or oh the, yeah, the ones he was in. Yeah. Oh, I really want to see the second. Or third. Oh, okay, worst thing. Worst thing. Um, oh, that uh, where he was the mayor of that town. Okay, so best thing he's done is done. <laughs> the singing, not, not the governor. The uh, the one with Doctor Who in it. The, with yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. I forget what that was called. Best thing he's done is number ten. The worst thing he's done is number one. Where he is with the governor is? Oh, high. I would at least say an eight. I oh, think, I thought, think the governor is, is, is high on his list of the best stuff he's done. In fact, it might be closer to an, like a nine because I think it's in some ways better than uh, Red Riding. I, no, I, I like this. This is. Uh, I thought we were excluding this. I think this is the best thing he's ever done, like The Walking Dead. All right. By far. I like him in this than I, more than I've liked him in anything else. I'll accept your answer. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. All right, uh, you should check out Red Riding. It's a bit of a slog at times, but yeah. it's it's good. No, I saw the trailers for all three of them, and oh, really it was good. great. Loved yeah. it. Yeah, if you like the British crime <clears throat> drama, police drama, which you'll, is you'll, right up my, my alley, you'll I love it. it. Love it. Love it. I love shows where people talk more smarter than me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why do, I like the BBC. Do the rest of the podcast in a British accent. You'll sound genius. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> Not my British accent. In, I would hate to insult any UK listeners out there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right, one more email, and then we'll go on to Holy Crap, Did You See That? This comes from John on the internet, and it's kind of related to Otto's email from above. Um, if Merle and Neil were going to head back to Woodbury... No, it's not related to Otto's. It's related to something we talked about last week. If Merle and Neil were going to head back to Woodbury and Michonne was on the run, running away from Woodbury, how did Michonne and Merle end up in the same place? Logically, their paths couldn't have crossed because Merle would have just turned around and gone back the way he came, and Michonne would have perhaps stumbled upon the little strip mall where Glenn and Maggie were. Between the Lori botch and this, seems like the writing may be getting kind of lazy. What do we think? So we talked about this last week, Jason. We did. About how... Why? What was Merle doing there? He was like, going shopping. He was going shopping. He needed a shirt, remember? I have an answer. Oh, That's right. You okay. said he needed a shirt. I have an answer. For underwear. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> needed a shirt He was for getting underwear. fancy panties for Andrea. <laughs> yeah, maybe he was yeah. doing that. Sorry, I keep cutting you off and derailing you. Go ahead. That's fine. I rewatched the episode, or okay. at least part of it. And before he... Uh, I think before he kills... Um, what's his name? Yeah. Neil. The red shirt guy. Uh, the other guy. The last guy that was standing. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, not red pants guy. Anyways. No, red shirt guy because from yeah. Star Trek. Yeah, sorry. Bird. Before he kills him, he says, let's grab a car and head back. Right. So I think he was going to the town where he knew cars would be so he could get a vehicle to drive back instead of having to walk back. That's why. He was probably closer to that town. Maybe he knew it was there and he went to get a vehicle. That's why he was going the same way as Michonne. Makes sense, doesn't it? Sort of. I'll accept your answer. You think that he walked all the way there from Woodbury and had to get a car to get back? Him, him, and the group. 
Well, you, well you, I was thinking he drove <laughs> to that particular area and then uh, was walking around reconnoitering. No. And uh, so he walked from Woodbury tracking her. Him and the four guys left on foot tracking her because oh, she see. was on foot. And they're tracking her. Yeah, they're well, not I'm... following her from a distance in a vehicle. <laughs> they got into a taxi and said, follow that katana-wielding woman. Okay, that makes perfect sense. And so he said, now... Um, yeah, so we wanted a car, went to the town, and that's why he was there. Right. So let's go to the red zone and get some wheels. Exactly. Right. Closer to the red zone. So that explains it for me. It didn't make sense before, but that explains that scene for me. So, Works for me, too. Thank you, John. Well done, John. All right. Time to do this. Holy crap. Did you see that? Okay. Our first one this week comes from Craig in Georgia. Hey guys, this is Craig down in Georgia, the heart of zombie land. Uh, I just wanted to call with my, oh crap, did you see that? And mine has to be when the governor confronts, confronts uh, Merle on his blood ties and whether he's going to be dedicated to him or to his brother. And you can see when he leaves, uh, Merle says him, says the governor, but when he leaves, you can see Merle's face that I, I believe his ties with his brother is going to be just a little bit stronger. But it's going to be neat to see the dynamic between the governor and Merle and Rick and Daryl, because you can see there's a uh, there's a, a connection between all four, but yet they're separate. And uh, I just want to get your guys' comments and uh, let me know. Appreciate the show, guys. You guys have a good one. Bye. Thank you, Craig. So that's that's a good scene. I, I mean, I think it's totally up in the air right yeah. now with what's going to go down mm-hmm. here. And we sort of talked about it earlier, where you know Merle believes what he says at the time, but things could change quickly. That's sort of my feeling on it still. I think he's going to be with the governor right up until the moment he's not. <laughs> Jason, I think you are exactly correct. <laughs> and that will be the moment that he sees his brother, probably. Right? I, Something. I, I don't know. The whole conflict is going to come down to those two guys. Why else would we have them set up so deeply entrenched in each other's camp? Yeah. You know, it's going to come down to that conflict right there, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think we're going to get to it next week on The Walking Dead. You think so? Or not. I think I think we are. Cliffhanger. Well, there's going to be a hell of a cliffhanger. I'm I'm sure of that. Uh, maybe the cliffhanger will involve them coming together for the first time. I don't know. They'll, you know, glimpse at each other from across a crowded room. Right. And then the, then there'll be music. And they'll and decide to move out on the dance to floor. <laughs> It'll be the Woodbury Ball. That's and right. And they'll, they'll be all out there together, all nervous. <laughs> there you go. All righty. Scott from Dallas sent in this call. Hey guys, this is Scott from uh, Dallas calling again. I just wanted to call in with my holy crap, did you see that moment? I love the way that Gladden killed the zombie in uh, the interrogation room by basically pulling a Merle and stabbing him with an extension of uh, a part of his arm, basically, as the chair was broken and... uh, the way he stabbed up through the zombie's uh, head, you could actually see some of the wood from the chair sticking through the top of the uh, zombie's head. So, yeah, I just wanted to call and let you guys know that. And uh, thank you guys for being so well-spoken. Have a great day. <laughs> That's back again. <laughs> thank, thank you, Scott, from Dallas. Oh, well, 
Well played, sir. There you go. I took uh, my chapeau to you. <laughs> Our next one is related to that. Casey from the internet writes in, Did you see that Walker's eyeball pop out when Glenn rammed the chair arm through its head? Yeah. <laughs> Did anyone else see that? Because yep. I missed it. I yep. missed it too. That was so exciting. Eyeball like, hang, yeah, <laughs> hanging from the awesome uh, eyeball thread or Think. whatever you call it. The stock. optic nerve. The eye stock. The eye, <laughs> eye stock. It's like stock. beanstalk. Beanstalk? I think I've been to that website. Um... So that sounds pretty pretty cool. It was random and weird. I what stalk, was random and I, weird? I stalk photography. It's a oh okay. It's not a stalker's <laughs> website. No, Where you stalk people. Stalk. That's a genius idea. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you guys do that. I just thought that went to a very weird place very fast. No, so. no, 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 no. no. I'm not the governor. <laughs> okay. Anyways, eyeball popped out. I didn't see that, so I'm definitely going back to watch that. Okay. Yeah, eyeball popping is always good. Jason from Missouri, my holy crap was the Governor Maggie scene. While I didn't think he did anything beyond more psychological torture to her during the commercial break, (laughs) and so I hope to find out I'm right later, the torture that we did see was too intense and scary for me. After all the zombie buffets, zombie killings, autopsies, and wearable guts, they've finally aired a scene I'll probably actively never watch again. The TV governor could probably make the comics governor piss his pants in absolute fear. Eek. I don't know if we're there yet. I think the TV governor is a little bit more psychological and the uh, comic governor is a little bit more brutal. Comic I, governor is definitely yeah. like outwardly, you know, physically evil, you know, in what he does. I agree with you, Dave. The, Thank uh, you. The, the TV governor is more psychological. What's what's more scary, psychological or physical? What's more scary, a ghost story or a slasher flick? They're scary it's in different ways. Tastes. Yeah, ghost story. Well, I mean, for you, yeah, but for somebody else, like ghosts are dumb, you know. But <laughs> you know, if they watch Hostel, they'll get freaked out. I guess so. I I, I don't watch Hostel. I watched Hostel. It didn't freak me out. Did, did it make you ever want to watch another one of those films? I, no, I'm not big on those. I'm, I'm not big on those either. Not my cup of tea. I yeah. don't like. I don't like seeing people do that to each other. Whatever they do to each other. <laughs> you know, a movie really freaked me out was Salem's Lot. I never it was a TV that. movie. It was a TV movie. Was that like, wasn't a Salem's Lot. Wasn't a theatrical film. Nope. From back nope. in the day, it was Stephen King book, and then turned into a TV movie. All right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All righty. So next is Jason from DC. This is a weird one. He says Carol lost some weight. She looks like a skeleton. Uh, now, <laughs> that's a lot of weight. Yeah, that's almost all of it. That's <laughs> pre- pretty much. Um, she was only gone for like twenty four hours. Well, was she, it only? Tw- I thought it was a couple days. I thought he said in the episode that she'd been dehydrated for a couple days. Okay, at most it was forty eight hours. Then you don't really lose that much weight in forty eight hours if you don't. I lost eat. fifteen pounds in forty eight hours. What did you run a marathon? That was because of the strep throat, though. Yeah, and the mono. Yeah, that would that would do it. She was just dehydrated in a cell. Now, I guess I should come to the kissing delete. <laughs> Very nice. Stay home. Yeah, don't come over here. Yeah. Well, not now. I'm just at that time. <laughs> yeah, good. Uh, anyways, Carol lost some weight. I think she kind of has looked the same all since the beginning, but whatever. Yeah, she looked the same to me. Yeah, but you notice Daryl putting on some uh, muscle. He did. He did. Yeah, somebody did. Somebody did. I, I think his arms have always looked spectacular, frankly. Yeah. Daryl's arms. All right, finally, Gert from Norway. And this goes all the way back to season one. He oh, here writes, we go. Yeah, he Full writes, circle. 
when Shane is about to shoot Rick in the back. Remember that scene? Yeah. Shane ex- Shane's expressions sent chills down my spine. The scene truly cements Shane's character as a looming danger, forever changed by the recent events. Bravo, Mr. Bernthal. <laughs> if it wasn't enough, uh, then he discovers Dale is right there next to him. Holy crap, strong scene. That was good stuff. Yeah. yeah. I'd forgotten all about that one. It's yeah. been a long time since I've watched season one. I was on the bus uh, last week, and uh, somebody was watching uh, a season one episode on their phone. Oh, really? Yeah, they were in the uh, CDC. Was, oh, there you go. The, uh, yeah, the finale. It was oh, awesome. I hate that CDC. <laughs> they blew it up. It's okay. I know. But, yep, terribly. And well, they, and they yeah. blew it up with a grenade, so... Or, no, they, or they, they blew the window off. with the grenade. It's the, yeah. only, the only personal explosive we've seen on the show, right? Uh, I think so. They didn't blow it up They with got flashbangs now, though, so... No, they busted the window out with a grenade. The CDC blew itself up. Yeah. With a talking computer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that was the worst part about it for me, the big talking sci-fi computer. That was the worst part? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> frankly, it was. To me, it made sense that you would go to the CDC in their situation. And then when they got in and it was like the bridge of a spaceship somewhere, I was like, that's that's just dumb. You know? That was the worst part. That's all you have to say? <laughs> I, don't, I don't have anything to say. All right. I'm giggling sillily. 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 You choose to say something and you choose sillily. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. All right, what are we talking about now? I'll we're, talk good or next time. We're done. That is the end of Holy Crab. Do you guys have one for this episode? I have one. Do you have one? No. So, so <laughs> you better make it a go one because yeah. I don't have one either. I I, uh, I have to go with uh, the whole scene where Glenn uh, fights the zombie. I so agree exciting. with Scott from Dallas uh, that that scene, just that whole scene where he uh, he has that fight. I liked everything about that scene. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, I'm glad he was in the room he was in because mm-hmm. if he was in the room that Maggie was in, it wouldn't have worked because there was a lot more props in the uh, the room he was in. I'm glad he was in the chair he was in. Because Maggie was in a, a metal chair, yep, and he was in a wooden chair. Can't break a metal chair off. Uh, even though I did like the fact that uh, Glenn did try and break the chair a number of times before it actually broke, which, you know, if it was Tom Cruise, it would have broken the first try. Yep. If he would have looked at it funny, it would have fallen into the appropriate sharp parts to stab people mm-hmm. um, in any other movie, really. Uh, I like the fact that uh, he was, you know, Glenn just basically kicked ass and i i agree with max from connecticut from an earlier call as well that uh i like glenn now more than i've liked him in this show and in the comic this is my favorite glenn See, i've always really liked glenn and i've always really liked glenn too but this You're is just me with uh, that expression this, this is <laughs> i'm just so excited uh i really it just did just that much more i like glenn now than i did before and i liked him before they took glenn to a new level on this one they did they gave him an opportunity to shine and he ran with it and that scream at the end of frustration and rage at the uh, at the end of the uh, end of the fight was just uh, i don't know if i would have done that Screamed in rage. If, if I had been in that situation and survived that situation, I might not have screamed in rage because that might let someone know waiting outside that you're still around. Yeah, it kind of alerts them to the fact that you're not dead. Right. And if you're going to maybe hide behind the door with a piece of wood, they they might know you're going to do that. Now. Well, yeah, that could do it. But then again, if I was in the zombie apocalypse, I would have died ten months earlier. <laughs> and if I didn't die ten minutes, months earlier, I would have fell on the floor, yeah, and then. See. That would have been the end of that. I'm with you. If, if we were in the zombie apocalypse, I would probably be wandering around just... Yeah. Well, there. most people... We'd hang be. out. It'd be nice. It'd be like yeah. a you know, low-level muscle memory. We'd just kind of hang out and <laughs> yeah. podcast. That's right. You'd sit in front of microphones at a table and just groan. <laughs> trying to eat, eat through this pop filter. Yeah, that's right. 
Good times. You know what? I do have a holy crap, but it's from the previous episode, and I forgot to do it last week. You did. Irrelevant. I was thinking about that. Irrelevant. I know. No, it's relevant. If we can go back to season one, we can go back to last week. Okay. My holy crap from last week was, and I'm surprised no one mentioned it, but it was when Michonne used one of the guys as a human shield during the fight with Merle and the group. Yeah. She jumps down, slices one guy's head off, stabs the other guy through the back or the chest, and then swings him around in front of her while Merle shoots, and he shoots into the guy instead of, instead of her. It was fantastic. It was such a cool move. That reminds me. Okay. So going back to the beginning of this episode, there's a scene where... You know, she the walkers are starting to recognize that she's not one of them. And she goes and she's slicing heads. And this one guy, she just sort of stabs him through the chest. And kicks him off, yeah. Like, that made no sense to me. That's my <laughs> holy crap. Did you see that moment? What the fuck are we doing, Michonne? Bad decision. <laughs> Poor decision making. She's been hanging out with Andrea too much. The only thing I can say to that is she was starting to to weaken and lose consciousness a little bit. So I think maybe she, A, maybe wasn't quite thinking straight or didn't quite have the energy left to get him in the head. Yeah. And she just got him through the chest. Maybe she's just trying to slow him down. But then she did have the energy to put her leg up and kick him off the sword. So I don't know. Maybe it just looked cooler. Yeah, it probably did look cooler. But the human shield, I thought, looked really cool. That was one of the coolest moves I've seen on this show, I think. Yeah. Definitely very cool. All right. Would that work? A meat shield? I don't think a meat shield would work. Depends on the rounds. Yeah. <laughs> meat shield. Is that the official... Is that the... That's what they call it in Assassin's Creed 3. Oh, yeah. It, I've only done that once in the game. The meat shield. I can't figure out how to do it again. <laughs> you press A. Really? Yeah. <laughs> well, the, at, well, different topic. We'll talk about this later. <laughs> yeah. When you, when you have a bunch of uh, riflemen forming up on you and you see their little yellow things saying they're going to fire at you, press A. The nearest guy becomes a meat shield. All right. I, I, I just try to kill all the Well, guys. that might work for back then because... Those are like slingshots, practically, right? <laughs> yeah, well, they would, but it, now they have full. Those were just lead, you know, soft lead balls. They would yeah. not go through a whole, uh, a whole person. <laughs> it's hard to make soft balls go through a whole person. That's right, but uh, full metal jacket rounds will go through. Yep. somebody. Yeah, completely. My point really is that it looked awesome. Yes, yes. it may not have been realistic. I concur. <laughs> and looking awesome is where it counts. I'm uh-huh. just curious. That's all. All right, are we done? I'm done. I think we're done. You're done. We're all done. It's very, very thanks. exciting. Dave, thanks for coming on the show. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks for this coming to amazing. my coming to my house to do the show for the yeah. first and time. And thanks for driving me home. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. It's awesome. Everything <laughs> is working out. Everything's coming up, Jason. That's yeah. right. <laughs> It'll be fun. So uh we'll Stranger Strangers over at stranger.renerd.com. It is. Everyone, Still. Everyone go check that out and everyone read it. Read it. Um, it's the, the best, best thing ever. The best thing I've ever done that I've posted on the internet. Can you imagine if the whole internet went there? Like if everyone went there? It would be amazing. Well, hopefully all I'll, of our listeners go there. I'll, head her, I'll settle for five people. <laughs> that would um, be amazing. Li- would. Like Stranger on Facebook. That's, that's, uh, like that's something you can That'll do. That'll help. I like it. like it. I yeah, even I'm glad you it. like it. I like, I'm glad you like liked it. I'd Did like, you like it or I, you like like it? I liked it and I like like it. Okay. <laughs> You guys want to hug or like make it. out on my couch for a while over there? Yeah, he's driving me home. All right, good. You hold <laughs> hold hands in the middle. Um, uh, I, I was going to make a joke about pulling his parking brake, but we'll move on. No, no. <laughs> um, Let's not do that. What's the Facebook URL? The Facebook URL is facebook.com slash strangercomic, or you can uh, do com. I think we, we mentioned that one. Yes. I'm going to mention it again, <laughs> right. myself again. 
Thank you for having me. All right. It was, it was a good time. It was really fun. A good time was had by all. Yeah. Um, if you want to contact the podcast, which I think would be another great idea, Fantastic. you can give us a call at one 483 zomb That is 9662. We are still, in fact, on the Twitter, even though I never look at it, at Talking Dead, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash thetalkingdead. We're approaching that uh, 5,000 like plateau. That's yeah. amazing. So I'm super excited about that. I hope we get 5,000 likes before the uh, mid-season finale next week. That'd be great. And if we do, Jason will do the podcast with his shirt off. Nobody wants that. <laughs> like, nobody even wants to listen to that. <laughs> if you do, I'll I'm listen sure. to the podcast with my shirt off. I'm not sure what it would sound like, but... <laughs> <laughs> they, they could tell. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, the other way to contact us is talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. You can send all email correspondence to that. Thoughts, feedback, holy crap, did you see that's Whatever. We like to have it all. We read it all. And I respond to a lot of it. So if you want to get an email from me, write something in. Yeah. There you go. It's all old. Right. It's old. You write an email. You should respond to somebody. That'd be fun. That'd be fun. <laughs> I'd buy that for a dollar. For I don't a even dollar. respond to work emails. Yeah. I should, I should do that more often. <laughs> One thing at a time, I guess, <laughs> yeah. for you. All righty. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, for The Talking Dead, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. My name is Dave. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.